everyone. Thank you for joining me. Today, I have on my podcast my very good friend Luke. We discuss things such as vegetarian diets, non-vegetarian diets, CBD use, psychedelic use in the terms of medical and recreational. Uh, we also talk about things such as aliens. <laughs> uh, we talk about conspiracy theories. We really talk about everything. So I hope you enjoy the conversation as much as I did. And uh, thank you again for listening. It makes a difference. And I, like my sister's like full, like kind of naturalist. Like she's into like all the, uh, like, I don't know how you say it. Just like, like alternative medicine and whatever. And she's like um, saying like, you got to buy like good brands to get like the proper health benefits. But how do you tell like, unless you've been doing like years of research, you know? And with natural medicine, what people don't understand is you've become a vegetarian now. Mm. And you used to be a big meat eater. So you've grown like a, not a huge meat eater, not as big as me. Mm. I don't have one. <laughs> yeah, like, not, not, not that far. But you used to eat a fair bit of meat. What made, yeah. what made you do such a big swing? Um, it's like uh, a mix of like ethical, like environmental reasons. Like not so much like health, although it probably would like slowly be like a good, like a long-term thing for health. I know like a lot of people that have like uh, cardiovascular problems that usually like delve into it. Have you ever heard of like people that like get like uh, cardiovascular issues? Like they generally like get issued like uh like some sort of vegetarian diet because it's like generally like lower in like certain fats and then like you're not your calorie intake is like obviously a lot less than it would be if you're like a meat eater so generally speaking like it kind of like helps your like cardiovascular health are you talking about cholesterol yeah 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 like a mix of like cholesterol like um generally like lowers like your blood pressure as well like um obviously like a lot not all meats but some meats are generally like higher in salt and that kind of thing but then also depends on like other aspects of the diet as well obviously isn't there a lot of research that's shown that uh red meat doesn't uh necessarily impact your bad cholesterol levels and actually it's more beneficial to live longer there's been also a lot of research that's linked to cognitive health and sodium is actually really good for your brain Obviously, you can just add salt to a vegetarian food. Mm. Like, you can't do that, but you, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. I, like, have found there's, like, things going, like, both ways. And, like, it kind of just, like, makes you question, like, whether people have got, like, some sort of, like, bias in, like, some of their research. I don't know. Because, like, I've, I've, like, looked up a lot of sources that, like, go kind of, like, a bit of both ways. I've, like, uh, seen, like, a lot of statistics that say, like, uh, red meat contributes to, like certain types of like colon cancers and that type of yeah. thing but it's more just like in the context of like it's use like anything like if you're having like heaps and heaps and heaps eating every single day i can kind of like see that being like a, a result of it but like I, I don't think there's like anything wrong eating like meat a couple times a week to be honest yeah colon cancer is a scary thing man uh, my uh, my dad he got a um what's the american cancer what's it called it's not Oh, yeah, 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 I think it is, yeah. <laughs> well, he got one of those, and he got tested positive. Oh, fuck. And, um, no, it ended up burning away all of his cells. Um, but, mm. you know, he was a he was a huge meat eater. And if you go back to the, um, the he grew up in the 70s. If you go back all the way to now, you know, my pops would be up in the 50s, and having a really rich meat diet would be the way it was. You had steak for breakfast, steak for lunch, and steak for dinner. Mm, yeah. <laughs> I'm not saying that's the appropriate thing to, to do. I'm not, but I'm also 
benefit of not playing plays in the way I desire for that reason, but I can see the benefit of all of it. I think, honestly, even this whole thing on war on cards and that, a lot of people think cards is dead. You're bombing me with cards. Yeah. Like, what are you getting from Caesar or cards? You're bombing him. You get the same thing with um, vegetables and salads, right? It gets more fun. So I think you need all of it. probably uh, one serving of broccoli a day. I used to rave on that. I used to eat like six servings of broccoli a day. Um, <laughs> that's when I was on my gross diet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I remember you like rocking up to work with uh, the, what is it, like the three whole avocados and like the meat and stuff and you'd be like, you'd chuck a little bit of like broccoli and like, yep, that's that's my like <laughs> vitamins for the day done. It's like, it's all about the calorie count, you know. Hey man, don't knock avocado. I got avocados as shit. I had avocado this morning. We went out to uh, one of the parties I went to work with this morning. We went to this cafe. There's a cafe not too far from us where we had 15 minutes. They must have, everyone's not downhill, but uh, their portions were a lot smaller. They burnt my bacon and my eggs. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> they, um, and they're starting to surcharge a lot. I don't know why. It's just sort of coming out of nowhere. They're giving the option to tip now. They never asked for support, but they're giving the option. It's slowly moving towards, you know, I just came back from Hawaii. I'm like, hold on a minute, man. Yeah, you I just came back <laughs> from tipping. I don't want to come back and keep tipping. <laughs> and, like, they give it, they're making you give mandatory tipping through the surcharge, you know? Like, yeah. <laughs> it's like, you're getting your tips already, mate. Yeah, big but time. Dude, like, yeah, how bad is it, like, in America, like, where they have to, like, uh, what is it, earn tips as, like, most of their, like, wages, basically? Have you been? I've never actually been, but, like, I, like, I've heard how, like, bad it is it's, like, general wage people get in um like what was it hospitality uh and fast food is like insane it's like what five to ten dollars an hour and then the rest is not even ten far out and the rest is all tip yeah yeah see i don't feel bad about like giving people tips if that were the case you know i guess um but even like still like there's like a lot of places here where i feel like people aren't exactly earning their money's worth like um in like hospitality and that and retail I like work in Harris stuff. I don't know if you know that. It's just like, yeah, some of the shit you cop there is just like, you just, you're constantly thinking, like, am I like earning enough really to like put up with this? Well, they used to be at the club, right? They were like really expensive looking places. I don't know if they're still expensive today, but they kind of mm. reminded me of Maya. But a little bit, yeah, yeah. But more so, so Maya's like a really expensive clothes place. Mm. But Harris Scarf, they're more of like kitchenware and stuff like that. They do, like, apparel as well, but, yeah, I, like, uh, actually need stuff from there, and I'm, like, always just, like, going, nah, like, even my discount doesn't make it worth it. <laughs> like, honestly, yeah. What is nah. it, 5%? And, and 5% on electricals, so. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah, like, yeah, most $10 off, like, uh, air fryer <laughs> that I'll just put away in the cupboard and store for, like, three years. Well, we got, a, we got an air fryer here, and I've never, I've never had to use it, but I've heard air fryers are actually... the taste somehow where it just like chills in your dish and fuck it i don't know i'm not one of those cooking scientists every time you know what i was actually i was in a conversation a very long time ago mm. so i take my broccoli as dog pasta but you're far from the same you go past it now oh it's mostly just empty fields to me yeah oh anyway <laughs> um well one of them might have been um and 
two guys that used to go there, they don't anymore, but they used to always talk about these little intricacies about cooking and the temperature and putting this little needle in it and making sure it's, you know, and then all this different kind of seasonings. And I'm just there like, dude, I'll just throw my steak in the pan and hope that it's cooked in the middle. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm nowhere near the level of where they were coming from, but I know that's not even MasterChef either. Mm. So I'm still all the way down here cooking, not even cooking, you know, putting yeah. peanut butter on toast. <laughs> yeah it, it, I mean with cooking it is definitely like the little intricacies like you said that like make the whole outcome very different um, and I suppose it's like I don't know if you've got to cook like six meals I'm guessing a day is that like how much you have like generally yeah at the moment I'm on uh, six meals a day I've been um, I've had a bit of a dip in my cooking and by that I mean so I'm more having a cooking Can't, can't really say it's like getting those gears churning like i don't know yeah but it's like it's hard to also like tell like what leads to that like cause and effect sort of like because i don't know it could be literally just like some other like factor happening like on a like a molecular level that you just don't know about or i mean like half the time like headaches pass and like you don't even know like what really like causes it mm. so it's like it's hard to say but if you've been like taking it progressively within like a like a last few weeks and then you haven't had headaches prior to that it is like very easy to see how that like kind of affects the whole outcome so like yeah i don't know maybe maybe it's just like i don't know not reacting right with like your your biology well i don't have a headache now okay and have you like stopped since no no I think oh okay Just to see if it either progresses or subsides. Mm. Um, again, that's a lot of intricacy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's just keep going and see how it feels. <laughs> yeah, maybe with the back stuff, it's yeah. a, a little bit more of a dangerous yeah, uh, yeah, that's yeah, thing uh, to experiment with. But yeah, look, I was very young. Um, but anyway, I don't have a headache now. Um, can I say it's a placebo effect happening? I don't know. Um, I could only. 
Um, once I finish up the bottle, I'll probably hold off for another two weeks because this area is nice for everything to sink in and swell a little bit. Um, I'm doing the same thing with CBD oil. Um, now with the CBD oil, I take that at night before I go to bed. I took that, so I came back from Hawaii this mm, morning. Mm. I came back with three bottles. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, so I've, I've been taking that for about five months. Now, usually people don't take it every night. I've been taking it every night. Mm. Um, I've been taking a drop every night before I go to bed for five months. Now, I've been off it for about five months, which is really weird. I don't know if it's just a coincidence. Could be. Um, I did heavy squats a few days before, so um, it could be that factor as well. But the night I got off it, or the next day on the night that I got off it, my back was in pain. So I was getting mm. back pain. Um, and then I went back the next day, and I was back to my regular back. Not so much really anymore. Um, I can still feel it here and there, but not really. I don't know if it's got to do with me getting off the CBD oil or because I did heavy squats a few days before. So it's really hard to tell. Mm. Um, I'm going to get back on the CBD oil in another week. Um, maybe what I'll do is, I'll, this is probably a really bad experiment, <laughs> but I'll do heavy squats again. No. <laughs> and then I'll take CBD oil. I don't know. Look, man, I'm the worst scientist there is. <laughs> but like, it's like I'm, you not, I'm not even a scientist. <laughs> I'm just... I'm my own personal guinea pig. <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, you're like saying like literally like, what is it? Like a minute ago, you're just like, oh, I'm not sure if this is a good idea and I'll be like, I'm going to stick by it. That, that old, that old mode of thinking now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I can definitely like uh, see what you mean. Like you're saying um, your body might have actually like adjusted to the CBD and it's like actually having some like, uh, what is it? Like pain reducing effects. Like maybe like, because uh, I've heard a lot of uh, people say that like uh, CBD is actually good for like inflammation. And that type of thing. Um, I know, like, my sister had, like, a skin condition. Um, and, like, literally, like, all her skin just went, like, red, like, all over her body. And it, like, got, like, really bad at one point to the point where um, she was, like, she had just, like, random spots where she was, like, bleeding because it was just that inflamed. Um, and she had to get, like, hospitalized and stuff. And they couldn't, like, figure out what, what it really was. I actually don't think they ever did. But they tried a few different things. CBD was like fairly effective it got her like out of that stage that she was in and kind of like reduced the effects but it was only temporary but i think actually what solved the problem was uh like the uv treatment that she got at uh like a dermatologist so that somehow has proven to be like the most effective treatment for for some skin conditions which is like strange to think because uh she was literally like just saying it was basically like getting the the sun's rays without like the the harm the harmful aspect of it so wait did she get this skin aspect and from cbd all of a sudden no no she actually like used cbd to actually like uh kind of like lessen the effects of the uh the condition she had um and it proved like slightly effective like it, yeah like reduce the inflammation slightly but like only temporarily um but yeah the uv treatment she did ended up like uh like reversing it completely like i think over a span of a few months but yeah um obviously like cbd has been like pretty um substantially useful in like a lot of other conditions like what have you done like much research into it i've done a little bit i'm not gonna say i've done a lot um the research i've done into it is mainly just the hormones themselves mm. um, because PRPD1 receptor, which mm. is basically your good, 
Sitka. Ja, ja, ja. And um, that's where we found the name uh, uh, Pain. Um, and CBD oil is actually a bond killer. Um, okay. CBD bond killer helps relieve the pain. Now, there's something else called the, we'll get back to the name in a few minutes, but um, basically THC is one of the other components of MDMA. Mm. But there are, you've got like these other receptors called CB1, CB2 receptors. Yeah. Part of THC is actually been shown to degrade these receptors over time with chronic use. Mm. Um, I'm not 100% sure what these receptors are meant to do. Uh, I did some research, it was a few days ago, but I can't quite think of it right off hand what they're exactly meant to do. But I know they do degrade with chronic use of THC. However, After like 30 days, they start to regress. Okay. So I'm not saying to people, you know, to smoke as much weed as you want and then just get off it for a month. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying uh, <coughs> just be aware that these things can happen because mm. look, there is a stigma of, especially today, weed doesn't cause any issues. Um, I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. Like, I'm not against weed, but I'm not for it. I'm just I'm pro choice. Someone wants to mm. do it, man. Yeah, I'm all for it. Mm. Um, but I don't want people to to get into it and then uh, get into one place and then not know the side effects coming with it. Yeah, you want like everyone to like kind of think for themselves and like understand when like something's actually like causing an issue, because uh, yeah, it's like very easy to like uh, feed into what like you hear in the media or even just like from people like around you and. Yeah, like the general rap is that, yeah, it is like kind of like harmless, like social drug. But like when, when it becomes like something more than that, that's when you got to like step in and go, all right, yeah, this is actually like not good, not good for me and my health. Because I mean, I feel like just like in the long term, there's no real benefit to it. I feel like it can like kind of like open you up to social situations. I feel like for some people that get like anxiety and like anger issues, like it might be like like a like a kind of thing like a measure to fall back on but like a modulator yeah a little bit i still think there's like better ways to deal with it but i mean yeah exactly like what you're saying like i'm not gonna be like the guy that says like don't take it because like yeah like i think like at the end of the day people can make good choices for themselves and like use it effectively you know but there's like yeah there's obviously just a, a point where people need to like um yeah like properly think about it and not just like continue its use and just like say it's okay to do this, you know, because that becomes like a very easy hole to fall into. Did you know that um, CBD oil or CBD in general can actually counteract the effects of THC? Really? So if you have a higher dose of CBD within you than THC, it's a counteractive to the THC bite. It's really weird. Wait, so how does that how does that work exactly? I, uh, I haven't done a lot of research into it. These are just um, some things I've heard on other podcasts and some stuff that I've heard from other sources. I can't right offhand tell people what they developed from. Um, mm. Maybe it's their indigenous knowledge or something like that. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what I've heard. Uh, <coughs> getting back to CBD, yeah, chronic issues such as epilepsy, ADD, um, shown to be really well with CBD use. But my 
part of me I want to subscribe to the bootleg especially with Eddie Murphy obviously because he's Eddie Murphy so you can't mm, take mm. it and say like oh you got him you know wanted to take it and replace it with a modification the only problem with taking it here is the amount of bloody work that goes into that because there's some of the footage that you can't actually consider mm. it's just crazy compared to some of the other stuff over here if you actually have to book <coughs> in a uh, not a CPD clinic but a basically yeah separate pay with your own cash no medicare um mm-hmm. options there's no other option and i don't really understand that because a cbd oil has been shown to do well with things like um epilepsy up to i'm not sure if it's parkinson's that it helps as well just with the shakes and stuff um i'm not 100 percent sure i think i saw it through ms but i'm not sure if it's just think like um from like a medical standpoint i still think we got like a very uh rudimentary rudimentary way of thinking (laughs) here in australia and um yeah i I don't think it's like at the point that we'd like it to be because there's like people that generally have uh what is it like uh like resistance like conditions that like don't get like solved by just taking like our like normal like methods you know like like all the uh, prescription medications and i think at that point you do need to just like take a gamble and like on something like cbd and like when you actually think about like what you're getting out of it and the risk involved it's like very very low because they take out the thc aspect of it all to a point where it like doesn't affect you mm-hmm. essentially at all so i just like i just don't really like see it as uh like oh we're trying to like make this good for your health i feel like it's more like a stigma at that point because mm. you know like obviously like there is a point where most people will react to something differently to each other but i don't think like someone's gonna smoke something with like one percent thc in it and like absolutely lose the pot you know i don't i don't think there's like anything like like uh wrong with that you know um but uh yeah going back to like uh like the epilepsy and like what can be like uh, how that can be utilized um do you think like uh thc has anything to do with that or do you think it's more like the uh, other components of it that actually stop like the electronic like uh, activities crossing over yeah what do you reckon so epilepsy is really just a miscommunication between sure when it comes to THC I know they use CBD oil but I'm not too sure with THC I know THC has a calming effect um, but so does CBD and CBD is also used for anxiety as well Um, 
that's just like what makes me kind of wonder like yeah like what's like the actual uh component of it that's um like causing like the the dowsing of that like reaction you know because obviously there's like no one part to it there's like a few things like thc is like the main component that gets you high but then you've got like other little components that kind of make up the effect as well mm. so it's like taking away the thc um obviously there's still something right like cbd in cbd that's still like dowsing the effect yeah yeah i think so cbd um dowsing the effect of thc and you've got more cbd dosage than you have thc mm. Getting more into this uh, holistic approach to study about what it's like knowing and experiencing psilocybin, as we call it, and mm. um, uh, MDMA. Uh, MDMA has been shown to help with PTSD. Um, you obviously watched that documentary on Netflix as well. That's yeah, I think so. Um, you're talking about on Michael Pollan? Yeah, Michael Pollan. Yeah, yeah I've got his book there as well. That's that was really cool. I just I finished it. it was oh, really? really? It was really the uh, documentary is really good. I would recommend people watching it. There's mm. a book, on the bookshelf you can um, mm. watch it if you like it. And uh, obviously, if you're more of a, I just want to get this in in a couple of hours, then yeah, I recommend the mm. documentary. But if you can just sit there and enjoy it, uh, I really recommend the book. Um, I find it really strange, also how these kind of um, regulating plants or psychedelics, not even plants. Won't even really uh, let a trial out without a fair amount of signatures and money involved, and even mm. then, most of them get shut down. Um, here, anyway, um, obviously there are some states in the in the U.S. or other countries where, for religious use, they let them do it. Um, but that's not in like COVID and mm. stuff like that. But what's your take on MDMA and psilocybin and psychedelic drugs? Fine. Um from like what I've like actually like heard on like a lot of these documentaries and in research is um there's like quite a lot of um good research backing up uh improved rates of like mental well-being among people who have I think it's OCD depression and even anxiety with uh psilocybin which is like uh pretty like outstanding I think it was something like um 40% of people who uh went underwent trials um in a study they showed uh, in, like uh, increased ra- rates of mental well-being and less depressive symptoms over a like two to three month period, and obviously like as you get further down like the track after the use, it kind of increases a bit. So it's like telling you that there's kind of like a window where people are experiencing less depressive symptoms and they're like thinking like more outside the box with their routes of. Creative yeah yeah so it's like they're kind of getting out of like their behavioral patterns because when you think about like depression that's kind of like what's happening everything you want to like solidify everything you don't want to really like change your way of thinking it's kind of like there's just like a a wall in front of like all your like creative like routes basically and i guess the psilocybin experience you have like kind of like uh like kind of like wheels around that you know like gives you the uh creative like outlet or like different avenues outside your normal state of thinking i guess um but yeah like there's like a lot of uh research that's actually like proven it's pretty effective in that regard but you need to be getting like the therapy with it as well i guess is what i'm saying you can't just 
No, it, it will help like temporarily, but you need you need like long term goals, and you need to like set yourself up once the the initial feeling of it like dissipates. You need to be able to like remember what you learned in the experience. Yeah, that's like the whole point of it. Yeah, I'm I'm not telling people to just go and fill in all the twelve at once and make hundred and <laughs> no, yeah. Like, I'm not, to legalizing it i think it should be more so in a clinical setting i guess not yeah. not so much not so much in a um like a person to person route like recreational use yeah, yeah. Well, well, even recreational use but at the end of the day i also think that should be something that you can do on your own yeah Yeah, predisposition to getting schizophrenia shouldn't take it either. Mm. Um, so obviously there's that as well. And that can also fall into recreational use as well, which is what I think what happens if yeah. the person doesn't know that they have a pre uh, uh, predisposition of getting schizophrenia and then they take it and mm. then they get schizophrenia. There's all these little things that make it a very hairy area. guess like um heading into like my first couple experiences um exactly like you were saying um i think i was very like kind of misguided it was literally just playing out of like curiosity um i think even just like i was seeking like a thrill in a way like this was like going a fair few years back maybe like when i was like 18 19 something like that um but uh if i had a predisposition like you're talking about um that could have been like quite bad because I didn't really like look into that at all. Um, I kind of just like yeah. went to my local guy and just like took him. I didn't even know what I was taking. I was like, I guess I trusted him. Yeah, <laughs> it, it, like it's either gonna kill me or it's not. And uh, it, it turned out like pretty well. But like, yeah, going back to that, it's um, it was very much a guess as opposed to uh, 
an educated like setting you know like yeah like when you're talking about like in a therapeutic setting there's actually a lot that happens right before that there's all the screening they look at your background information uh your past medical history like yeah a lot of that and um that actually has like a huge part to play before it even gets to like the the lab where it all happens you know like um but uh yeah i guess if i were to like um what was like the initial question that you were asking <laughs> oh, sorry i just got like lost in thought there that's right no my question was um what was your thought on like that therapeutic thought process so obviously you wouldn't have had to go through the whole um experience of uh openness to experience yeah I that guess. yeah that that's pretty much what what i thought i was just like I'm going to take this and like, I'm just going to see where it goes. And, um, you just flung yourself into the deep end. Yeah. It was like pretty much exactly like that. I like did all my learning through the experience without actually thinking about it. So I would not recommend that it worked out for me, but I will take that as a lesson. And, um, anyone that's like thinking about doing the same should probably take a step back and just like know what you're getting into before you do it, because that's what creates the stigma, you know? Yeah. And here's another, It's a touchy subject, you know. Everyone um, that I have like seen on like, uh, like, like articles, documentaries, and whatever, they're all saying like, "Don't screw this up for us. Don't like create more stigma." Because we're in the middle of like uh, research. I think it's like so. Generally, when you're trying to legalize something or advocate medical use, you have to go through like four stages of trials, and I think we're going through stage three at the moment. So it's like, if there's more promising data. Uh, we're more likely to like progress to the next stage and that's like a big point for for us as like a society to use that in medical setting but um, the more like bad experiences we have more people we have flinging themselves like I did the more chance it's gonna like kind of ruin like the idea of it you know because people will just continue to see it in the old way they always have like you know people jumping out of buildings and <laughs> yeah that kind of stuff yeah there, there are people there are like ridiculous stories i've heard like not not a lot but uh i remember this one person that i was having a chat with they were telling me they were at a house party and someone was eating they were like taking a few people were actually consuming lsd um and some of them were just doing insane things you wouldn't even un like believe one of them was hanging from a balcony one of them was eating like raw meat like just out of a fridge and i've like that's like the heat the stuff you hear in movies i've never heard of anyone doing these type of things but we just want to like make sure people aren't doing that so there's not a bad rap on it you know i think the system works with that right? yeah absolutely yeah Think might have been the 
convincing to this president at the time. He literally burned it all. All that research just got flushed down the toilet, which is really a shame because if anyone decided to do research on Dylan, they should start making it a winner. black and white videos you can mm. tell they're old and there's a guy and he's he's drawing or he's painting but what he's doing is he has the biggest smile on his face and he has tears in his eyes yeah i've seen that one actually yeah it's crazy mm. it's insane he's having pretty much the most insane experience you could ever think of but then you've also got the electric light you want to talk <laughs> about there's look woodstock was a weird time <laughs> oh yeah um i think is not a good mix um i don't think taking any drug that using alcohol is any good no but then again i'm not a big alcohol fan i'm not against alcohol i'm not like if someone wants to have a load off and just have like a couple of drinks because they've had a hard Mm. day at work or i don't know they're going out with some friends and they just want to have like a good time you want to do that every once in a while dude Mm. go for it you know but i don't like the stigma that alcohol is not as uh, detrimental to your health as your drugs are because alcohol it's not the first i'm mm. not saying it is mm. because i'm not a doctor or anything like that but you see people who literally get liver failure they their brain dies from it mm. um there's also a lot of domestic issues as well um it's just and also i've noticed alcohol makes people a bit angrier a bit think it's uh more just because uh like it obviously like uh could come down to personality traits right yeah well it really just depends like whatever is like on eating away at you or what's like on your mind in the back of your head because it's obviously like inhibiting uh a lot of things in your normal state of consciousness um in in your head but like taking alcohol i think it's either gaba or uh another neurotransmitter that is like increased one becomes increased and another decreases and all those inhibitions are going out the window so if you're an angry person you're going to be angry like when you have those inhibitions out the window um and say uh, some not everyone's like that some people just be like more happy if anything they're more happy to be themselves Mm. but you'll know what kind of person you're getting deep down once they're they're, you know obviously 10 drinks deep or something but yeah I don't think I'll survive 10 drinks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm pretty much a lightweight. I reckon I'll get like maybe a six pack and then, yeah, I'm, I'm done. Oh, like <laughs> I think most people should be like uh, like thinking about stopping after a six pack, but that's not always like how it goes. Yeah, no, it's not unfortunately. And I really hate how alcohol's become this social norm as well. You know, oh, it has been for like a while, yeah. To be social, you have to be drunk. Like mm. what is that? Why can't you be, I mean, you're drinking green tea and you're perfectly social. <laughs> yeah i think it's just like the the way that you go about it um and like that's like a lot of the and that's a big one um for people that like have uh issues with like uh, drugs and alcohol that they can't they feel they can't like socialize unless they're under the influence because you don't 
think about your anxieties or you don't think about how devastating situation is where you can't socialize um but obviously like when you are in a waking like a normal waking consciousness all these thoughts are running through your head before you make the decision to go talk to someone but yeah when a lot of people drink they don't think about it they just they do, they just do it well a lot of people use alcohol as an escape for their issues as well like it's mm. used for like coping as well and there's that other side as well where you know people can like fight their addictions and things like that too um maybe they can use something else to escape their troubles but then again fighting their addiction they have their troubles on and off um mm. but alcohol using alcohol to escape any um depressive anxieties or issues you're having i think alcohol is the most relaxing talk about it um i find that yeah speaking on especially on like forums uh you'll find when it comes to issues and escaping issues with alcohol it's always for the moment um because you feel like you can escape it and you mm. just feel that oh you know maybe that thought rubs some dirt on you <laughs> <laughs> yeah like uh take a teaspoon of cement yeah yeah it, eat some concrete and hard <laughs> yeah basically yeah Obviously, they have that second parent, but if it's their young boy, they usually look up to their dad. Yeah. And if their dad is alcoholic, and that's their mm. um, outlet or key they've got to look up to, it's not exactly a positive influence. No. Um, look, neither. that we keep talking about like i just keep coming back to this standpoint that um you know like obviously alcohol is legalized it's like very easy to access and we like honestly like encourage its use like as long as it's like kind of moderated but when you actually think about on a medical level like what are you actually like doing for yourself like i feel like besides the social aspect there really is no upside to alcohol whatsoever like you've got financial burden you've got mental anguish you've got uh like yeah your biological health there's just like there's nothing really helping people but we still shy away from uh like psychedelics in like a clinical setting which i think it has to change man like i think like i think it literally just comes down to uh the type of like society we've got like a mix of left and right more people uh like to the right still at the moment and the less people that are like overly conservative, more open to new ideas, I think we can kind of push past that stigma and go, okay, 
this is like something that we've been uh like researching in the past uh it was kind of like unethically like put into a tier one category of like uh, illicit substance and that what that means is that it's like an addictive substance it's got no medicinal benefit and it's really bad for your health and i just don't think that really like suits a lot of the psychedelics that are up there and it's up there with cocaine and and weed as well and mdma and and even like a lot of the other drugs like heroin a lot of the ones that are really really bad for your health are up there as well and i just don't think it deserves that stigma i think as we like progress more um in a less conservative way we'll like start to see like the benefits from it you know Talking yeah. to a friend and um, talking about uh, DMT. And oh it, yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm not telling people to do DMT. DMT is a whole different animal. That's a that's a psychedelic on a psychedelic. He's on another psychedelic. <laughs> um, D, I was talking to him about DMT and how there was a story where someone had a DMT trip and they said it they felt like they were under that trip for years. Um, but they had this trip where they met a girl, had a family, and she eventually passed away and went on that trip, right? And I said to him, <laughs> I go, imagine if that woman you met during your trip, you saw her in the street. Oh my God. <laughs> You'd be like questioning like the whole like dimensions thing. You're like, what the hell is going on here? He goes to me, if that happened, what would you, what would you think? What's your first thought? I, I turned to him, I go, you know what? If that happened we're definitely in a simulation <laughs> yeah yeah all those guys that were like coming up with those ideas i think they're like onto something at that point yeah <laughs> like i like doubted them this whole time but hey like well now that i know that jesus well, what is real <laughs> well yeah i mean what is real that brings that kind of brings into consciousness um and i think consciousness and psychedelics are a bit hand in hand in a way mm. What is your thought on what consciousness is? Oh, I mean, it's a loaded question, man. Yeah, I mean, uh, I think we may have spoken about this before, but I mean, my like, uh, my like, basic opinion on it is um, my interpretation could change. Yeah, yeah, like the the more like uh, you look into it, like the more you kind of like your opinion's a little bit affected by it. I think it's just, it really is just like down to interpretation. Really, I think. Um, consciousness is just like our ability to just like see the world around us and like at some point it dissipates when all of that brain activity stops in our head i go i kind of go with like a materialistic view over it but it's hard to stick with that view when you use things like dmt and you have the religious like uh experiences because it makes you question all that it's like is it really like as basic as it sounds and i don't think there really is any like basic way to put it i think it's just like um like unless you've got consciousness like there is none sort of like what what was consciousness before we were around you know that brings me to what i was saying about the messenger mm. um so basically what i was saying about the messenger is it blows my mind how when my child was born they're not going to have a memory of any kind mm. before they were born that I will. So consciousness to them before that point should be an, uh, could be a total 
mm. and that blows my mind. That whole I know for a lot of people that doesn't really make a lot of sense that the soul is one with the body, just because mm. you can keep subtracting that from the from my body his body hot and further and further and further yeah and then you could go all the way back to a single point and then you go to that single point and before us and then you ask what consciousness is well then you have to ask if consciousness even exists to us mm. and that trips me out too for, yeah. for me I've always had the basic fundamental that consciousness is just an electrical chemical uh, reaction going on within our within our brain with between our two ears to us that's it consciousness basically is that mm. um, and we get and our other senses of, of vision and hearing is is a subjective uh, yeah. consciousness mm. um, because you obviously have animals who have very different subjective experiences like you have animals that like you said insects that can't even speak um you have animals that actually can't talk like bats that have echolocation mm, so they and stuff yeah so their consciousness is way different than ours mm. even something as a dog they don't see colors the way we do mm. they don't smell things the way we do they don't hear things the way we do theirs are very heightened so who's to say what they can smell this is just a very basic example. Let's go to the vision, right? I think it's the color yellow that they either see too much of or can't pick up. Don't quote me on it, but let's just say they see grass as yellow. Mm. We see it as green. Who's right? Exactly, yeah. It's like it comes down to like the interpretation of like what your senses are limiting you to. So yeah you could you could honestly if a dog could like speak with us and say to us like i'm not viewing it the same way as you it's like who's right about it that's what like you're kind of arguing right yeah yeah it's like we don't actually know the extent of like the world around us because every single thing perceives everything differently oh it's yeah you, you could like go on about that like all day there's like a number of an ex of the examples um but yeah, that book that I was like telling you, I was reading about um, Ageless Body, Timeless Mind with like Deepak Chopra. He like delves so much into that. Um, I, I don't know if he's like Hindu or if he's, he's got like some religious kind of background, but he kind of like merges um, all of that with like the science that he's like kind of like uh, delved in as well. Um, but yeah, he speaks a lot about like that argument, like what consciousness is and like, uh, how we perceive it. And yeah, it's, there's, there's a lot to go into, you know, there's like a lot of examples. Couldn't think, really think off the top of my head, but, um, yeah. I think when it comes to philosophy, one of, actually no, it probably is my favorite form of philosophy, but I talked about it before, it's Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand, Ayn Rand. She wrote a book. good book i read it a long time ago but um it opened my mind to things now he wrote that back in like the 1990s right uh, okay he's he's um at least for me just like a lot before that <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> um but he sort of from memory he starts talking about uh, a machine who had a very 
instructions and point it into the to do something. So let's just take a um, like where we used to work when they had a YouTube video. Get a label, press it on the box, put it in the bin. Get a label, yeah, press yeah. it on the box, put it in the bin. That's mm. its uh, basic fundamental life experience. Mm. Like I'm using it heavily in quotes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> heavily in quotes. Um, now, its whole consciousness is made up of getting a label, putting it on a box, boxing it in. Getting a label, putting it on a box, mm. boxing it in. That brings me to AI. You know, we mm. think we're going to have consciousness, arti- artificial intelligence, but I don't think so. Because at the end of the day, while AI will continue to get smarter, I think it'll just be programmed better. It won't be what we are. Mm. Does that make sense? A lot yeah. of people are scared these days that we're going to make robots that are conscious. And we'd have like a, a Terminator, like, kind of resurrection type <laughs> thing, yeah. <laughs> have, you, have, have you seen that movie, um, what is it? It's, what's it called again? iRobot? I no, 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 it's not iRobot. Um, basically, this guy... pretty much in the middle of nowhere uh, and the robot ends up because it's a girl robot ends up using seduction like sexual seduction to seduce him mm. into um, saying that the doctor is the evil one and she's the good one right uh, yeah um, trying to think of the movie really good movie but I do think that's where it could go but only in programming I don't think it could become talking about like self-aware sort of self-awareness is a totally different thing um to programming i think i uh when it comes to self-awareness a computer could say something like i am artificial intelligence i am this self-awareness as in knowing how do I I put this knowing what you are fundamentally in here Mm. I'm tapping my head um, is totally different Mm. to programming I think yeah because you're saying like uh, that's like kind of like an automated response yeah like if you're it's like an AI is like saying I know what I am um, like, and I'm meant to help you um, perform tasks like that is awareness, but it's not like self-awareness is what yeah, you're saying. Yeah. Unless like the computer actually knows where it's based, like location, what the the date and time is, like without actually receiving that information from the program itself. Yeah, I think I need to know PhD to talk about this. <laughs> <laughs> Oi, um, I was gonna say, uh, can I just like grab another cup of this and maybe like take like a little breather? Yeah, man, yeah. If you wanted to go to the toilet, yeah, I'll just do a quick pause and then come back. Yeah, yeah. We'll be right back. Have you ever... You went to New Zealand, I'm guessing, a fair few times, haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we're back, by the way. Uh, yeah, um... 
I think he was going just one star. He wanted to stop over there. I think we're going over next year for an unveiling. Do you know what an unveiling is? Uh, no. So in their culture, an unveiling is basically unveiling like a friend's son type deal. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Uh, usually what happens is they do it after a bunch of years gone by or something, mm. but uh, this individual passed away when he was 13. So, I mean, doing the whole extra step like that is the best likely option. Because there was so much uncertainty and couldn't really get a uh, test done at the time um, because everything was shut down. Uh, but yeah, I'm hoping uh, to do my first one or my first act as a proper character. I've been there. It was only for like a day and walk around government town. Mm. Um, but yeah, I was there. Um, I should be there, I think, next year. I'm pretty sure it's next year. Okay. So just like because of COVID, it's like literally like prolonged like the whole process basically. Yeah, well we looked for our plan was to actually do a lot of traveling uh, for in those years, which is before COVID uh, hit the scene. Yeah. We were planning to do obviously Hawaii. Ended up going to Hawaii. We were planning on doing a lot sooner. We also had like Japan planned. We had Europe planned. Obviously you know I want to go up to Northern Europe. Mm-hmm. Uh, where do you want to go there? <laughs> you know why I want to go there. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the last time we spoke, we were like flinging axes at a wall, so there's a little hint for you. And just so people know, we weren't just in a house throwing <laughs> axes at it. <laughs> this is an actual place where you go to to throw axes at a target, okay? We were not just crazy people who throw axes everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I probably should have just like uh, reiterated that, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I don't need uh, police coming to the house. <laughs> We got a couple axe wielding maniacs here. Let's get them. No, no, End no. up on a Netflix docker. No. <laughs> <laughs> and you know what? I swear that's the that's Netflix's go-to these days. It's just all about tapes of Jeffrey Dahmer, John Wayne Gacy, Ted Bundy. Mm. I, I don't know who they're gonna do next, but I swear, you know what? I reckon they did. I reckon they went back and watched this South Park episode where they had all those three guys on it. Oh, they and, actually. Yeah, and this was going back. <laughs> probably over 10 years ago they did this i reckon netflix watched that episode and they're like you know what we're gonna do a documentary on one of those three guys <laughs> oh god yeah no that's like it's like almost like simpson-esque sort of where they just like try to recreate like a future like a, like a future setting and then it just like happens like later on down the track now um i did i'm not gonna lie i did watch the uh doc- documentaries or tapes on these people mm. Or not, but I always knew those guys were pretty mentally unwell, let's just say. <laughs> um, but man, were they weird. Are these like tapes, like as they're getting interviewed? Like actual interviews, and um, they told their stories as well. Yeah. Um, so Jeffrey Dahmer has tapes, and he also has a documentary. The guy who played him. Really did a really good job. Mm, um, he did, it yeah. looks a lot like it. Oh, you watched it? Yeah, I've watched it, yeah. Yeah, um, he did a really good job. It stood up really, really well. Mm. Even that um, the scene with the uh, underage guy who was like 17, he got away and the, yeah. the cops were there and he's like, oh, no, he's my boyfriend. I think he was actually stuff. younger than that. He's like 14, I think. Yeah, 14. And that's an act that actually happened because mm. I looked it up afterwards. It actually fucking happened. Yeah, he just like swindled his way out of this situation by like saying, oh, it's my boyfriend, try and 
like he's just had a little too much to drink and he like would just say that with like all his fucking victims and everyone be like okay yeah yeah like how many times can this happen before the cops are like you know you should probably check your car (laughs) well i think they did but then it's like when they actually did they were kind of put off by the fact that he was like gay they were just like oh like i'm gonna go shower off because i've touched things in here and like being really like crude about it yeah and they were just like ah nothing to see here just just like two gay dudes and they drank too much like that's just so fucked as like a cop you know do you remember i think it was in the first episode the cops uh came into his house and i just saw the look on their faces and the cop walks into his bedroom there's a massive blood stain on his bed Mm. and he's just like oh no and dude, there's a huge blood stain and a barrel in his bedroom. Yeah. <laughs> and not even to mention, every single room in that house had uh, sulfuric acid just on the table as well. Yeah. Every room. Like, that's not something that normal people just keep out on the bench. <laughs> no, it's not. And, like, I think it was just, like, a, like signifying that, like, he just, like, barely, like, cared anymore at that point. Like, he, it was so routine to him that he's just, like, oh, like, kind of... Uh, underestimating like the uh, possibilities at that point he's just like oh i'm just doing my thing and like i'm probably not going to get caught because he probably did it like what i think about 15 times or something like that before he actually got caught there was something around that number there's a youtube video you can watch where he talks about the reason he's even doing it he blames pornography he pretty much puts one of the blames on the person who's watching the pornography. Mm. That he's like, yeah, I have violent tendencies um, because of pornography. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you could argue that. Um, but then, like, I don't know, like, all, I feel like uh, there's a lot of stuff he's probably not aware of. Like, that, all the stuff that's to do with, like, uh, his upbringing um, yeah. is, like, a kind of desensitization to, yeah. like, the roadkill and, like, the taxidermy and all that. I was talking to my dad about it and you know my dad's very old school my father mm. he I was talking to him I said to him if you look at it from a psychological perspective you can see he has a brain condition mm. he has uh, sexual uh, sexual issues because he can't come out as gay because this is going back to I think the 70s mm. um, and during that time obviously being gay it wasn't exactly a uncool thing you'd probably mm. get beat up for it um, mm didn't have a good relationship with his dad or mum in terms of he could talk to them about the thoughts he was having the feelings he was having his mum was a crazy person and mad like she was always gone from home and then coming back and then the last time she left i don't think she did come back Mm. um and the dad wasn't very available either he was always just when he was home arguing Mm. with the mum and when he was around uh jeffrey dahmer they were always just out looking for roadkill to dissect it. And do it yeah, like. it wasn't like very emotionally nourishing, I don't think. No, no. And there was one scene, whether it happened or not, I don't know, but there was one, if it did, it was pretty screwed up, where he did try talking to his dad. He was like, oh, dad, I've been having these feelings and thoughts, and I'm a bit concerned with them. And as soon as he tried bringing them up, the dad shut him down and started talking straight away about universities he could get into. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that was pretty fucked up. That was up. the dinosaur scene, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I thought that was pretty fucked up. Like, the one time he's really trying to open up to him. And I think he'd only killed one person by then. Um, which was the guy. Remember, they were doing some bench pressing together? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and, yeah, 
Yeah, so he'd only killed one guy by then, and the gun just shut him down. Like there was no emotional emotional yeah. availability. Um, and obviously getting back to that abandonment issue, he never he had noticed he never wanted them to leave. Every time they'd done their deed, they'd want to leave, and he'd be like, "Oh, can't you just stay?" Because there's that abandonment issue again. Mm. He just wanted them there. I I think maybe that's why he had that mannequin. Um, mm. Obviously, the mannequin being a boy, um, but mm. also because there's something there for I guess emotional stability because you're like cuddling it. He also likes grabbing its dick, but hey. <laughs> I ain't here to judge. Yeah, I'm not here to judge. <laughs> not at all. Um, whatever you want to do, if you've got a mannequin in your house, whatever you want to do with it, that's it's totally up to you, man. <laughs> Just make sure that door is like double locked or something. Yeah, the poor, the poor grandma. Right? <laughs> yeah. When she like walked in, I was like, I was like, oh no. You know what? I would have absolutely cried in laughter. Is if she took the sheets out and the camera just showed like a huge hole in the end. <laughs> <laughs> no, they had to censor some parts of that. Oh man, <laughs> that wow. save that one for like the uh, the pure YouTube doco or something. <laughs> oh, but yeah, that poor mannequin, man. It definitely caught my eye. Um, <laughs> yeah, and then obviously because they wanted to leave, I think that's where he started bragging off that it wouldn't leave. Um, mm. And he, he did feel, I think he only wanted to judge him so they'd stick around not to kill them. Because when they did die, he did try and revive the first few of them. You know, there was that scene where there was a guy at the hotel room. Mm. Um, he had no recollection of what he did because he also drugged himself and yeah. he got alcohol. Yeah. Um, he tried doing CPR and stuff. I'm not excusing him for what he did at all, but he obviously did not mean it sub subconscious part of him would have came out during that drunken episode and mm. drugged episode um also the first guy that died when he died on the couch he was that bench press guy and he sort of tried reviving him a bit too mm. obviously the first few he didn't mean to kill them but mm. then that killing became a bit of an addiction because he then started dropping to pieces and like mm. obviously kicking their heads and putting his dicks and balls in the refrigerator. Mm. Dude, that's... Man, this is a bit of a weird thought, but I imagined like one of his, just say a family member came around and they were like, oh, can I, <laughs> can I get an octopus on the fridge or something? Oh, God. I, I think just like the pure <laughs> stench alone was enough to deter people from having an icy pole. <laughs> Pull out a dick. Oh, that's a weird occupation. I don't really want a meat sickle that smells rancid, you know? Yeah. I think that's, like, enough to just, like, say, okay, I'm, I'm getting out of here. I like how he flames on his fish, too. What the fuck? Yeah. And, like, yeah, it just, like, got away with it every time. I mean, fire. Remember, like, that opening scene where the lady comes out and he, like, turns back around? That was, like, so damn eerie. You're, like, thinking, like, at that point, like, damn, this actor actually has, like, captured, uh, like who he is as like a person you know like he did really well at yeah, that he did good i don't know who played him um i forgot his name but he does like a lot of those like kind of psychopath roles my partner says she is pretty sure he might be playing marvin in one of my episodes but i can't confirm that i know he's um in um, what is it called american horror story oh, he's in like that? one of those first seasons i think yeah i think that's the one i remember yeah because i looked at his face and i didn't 
I think that's a pretty good call. I think so. Um, I think pretty hard is the whenever I do watch something, it's usually a hard decision I can make. Um, the last movie I watched that I really did enjoy was um, Black Sabbath. Did you watch it? Nah, I'm not like like crazy like uh, into docos, but like when when a good one comes and like someone recommends it, I generally like open myself up to it a bit. I don't really like watch a whole lot of Netflix, but like it does have like good content on there if you're like kind of willing to ex- experiment a little bit. Yeah, have you um, did you see Black Sun? It's a new one. Nah, nah. It's got uh, Ethan Hawke. You know Ethan Hawke. Mm. Um, basically, him and Prince. I won't spoil it for you, but he's um, uh, a kidnapper who's committed to saving the whole idea is if you kill only guess that bit there is a tiny bit of a spoiler for it um but it's not really important it's such a good movie man ethan hawke does a really good job there's one scene um if people want to skip forward 30 seconds without a spoiler i'll I'll do it now so basically he's there's a point where he's sitting in a chair in just his leather undies he's got a this weird mask on and he's got like a strap in his hand and he's just sitting there waiting for the kid to come upstairs like trying to escape he's oh my god it's a fucked up scene but he did such a good job he's a good actor man every time he's in something he does really well you always have those actors where you don't see them for a while and then they come back and they do that phenomenal job Mm. and i think he did a really good job in this yeah i mean that sounds messed up by the way <laughs> i don't know if you're it's like trying fun. to convince me to watch this or not but nah, it's a good movie man i'd watch it it's a really good movie because so you obviously see in the in the what's it, the trailer um there's a black phone in the title in the basement and when it rings uh and the kid answers it he can talk to the spirits or the dead spirits of that that guy's killed and they help him escape whoa okay yeah so well, this ties into some kind of like spiritual like uh, entity type thing yeah yeah it's so but because the spirits the longer the spirits have been dead the less memories they kind of have mm. um but they can remember things so for a small example there was one kid who tried beating himself out but he couldn't get all the way so he managed to tell the kid about it and mm. the kid found the hole and managed to keep digging I won't go any further than that um, it's a pr- pretty good movie not bad mm. and he has a sister and his like a younger sister I think he's only a kid I think but he smashed it absolutely smashed it really really good movie I'd really highly recommend it is it like on any platform I watched it in the cinemas you could probably definitely not coming on disney i can tell you that mm. <laughs> not with that premises um it may end up on like amazon prime or netflix or discovery or man what's with all those streaming services now they're starting to kick my ass far out i feel it's like uh, you're assuming a bit ahead there saying disney's not gonna own it in a couple of years yeah well, <laughs> they, they might just buy out everything soon you know what i reckon disney's just gonna end up buying out everything and they're gonna be our 
the fucking bad guys or whatever they call authoritarian rulers. <laughs> yeah. Isn't that what, like, South Park uh, was, like, trying to get at in some of their episodes? Yeah, how Disney's buying out everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like yeah. Uh, all the, the China stuff. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it might be one day. Who knows? Well, China cancelled Winnie the Pooh. Yeah, yeah, it's because he apparently looks like the president. Like, what? Like, nah. Come, like, have you actually, like, looked up the comparison? You're going, like, eh, like, his eyes kind of, but that's about it. Like, no- nothing really resembles him at all. I don't know how they tied two and two together. I honestly reckon someone on the internet did it. Yeah, for I sure, really reckon yeah. that's what it is. And maybe Lolita saw it and he cracked their shit, yeah. so he banned Winnie the Pooh. I think it was someone on Reddit, and then, yeah, they just, like, instantly took offense to it and they're like nope no this is not happening anymore um i should have been kind of expected i guess but like yeah it's just ridiculous like what people will like take offense to like honestly and i love how south park just capitalized on it (laughs) yeah yeah they're they're always like the first one to make like a meal of any uh like you know uh kind of uh off-brand discussion you know something that's like kind of taboo sort of well, they had Randy Myers literally. What he did was he was like, I think he just stabbed Winnie the Pooh in the back. Like, he just, like, grabbed him around the mouth and just kept stabbing him in the mm. back of it. He slaughtered Winnie the Pooh all because, uh, all because um, Mickey Mouse told him to or something. I think it was Mickey Mouse. <laughs> mm, and then, yeah, there was, like, that whole COVID episode. And... Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But I do think, even though South Park still holds up, I don't think it's as strong as it used to be. Because um, I'm not going to lie had a thought of a South Park skit in my head, but I decided to look it up. I don't know if you ever get that, where you think of a scene from a joke that you just want to see. Just look it up, watch it, it's even funnier. Um, there was a scene where Randy Marsh, this is a real earlier season, he's sitting in church, and the Catholic priest is talking about how um, the Catholic churches and the Vatican are putting a thing together, like a cruise, where it'll be Catholic priests to help out uh, younger boys get in touch with their Catholicism. <laughs> and uh, Randy Marsh is like, a Catholic boat trip with young boys? And then it cuts to a visual of uh, the old TV show. Uh, no, uh, I can't remember what it is, but the scene is obviously sang over by Trey Parker. <laughs> it's the Catholic boat. <laughs> and it shows all these drunk Catholic priests with these oh, young kids. Oh, <laughs> no. Yeah, I was and Randy Marsh starts screaming in the middle of the church. Oh, man, it cracked me up. Those type of things that they used to do, I think they don't do them enough anymore. It's, I don't know, the whole continuous storyline that they got going on now doesn't compare to how they used to just do episode to episode back in the day. Mm. I don't know if you watch South Park recently. It's what they're doing. They're kind of trying to have a continuous storyline. Yeah, a little bit, instead yeah. Instead of breaking up a story to episode to episode. There was, like, that season when they were going on about, like, the, the troll, and it, like, went on to, like, this, like, global level. They were all trying to stop, like, the, the troll, like, the internet troll. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, then oh, you got, like, the dude. whole COVID one and stuff. There's, like, a, a number of them, yeah. That's right. It ended up being Carl's dad, didn't it? Mm. <laughs> another spoiler there. <laughs> oh yeah, another spoiler. Uh, 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 <laughs> what are we doing? We're covering like a lot of uh, like topics, so like understandable, kind of yeah. Yeah. Hey, how's your study going, by the way? Oh yeah. Uh, I actually.
actually like well i haven't actually got the certificate but i basically finished it like yesterday oh wow congratulations man yeah thanks dude yeah no i'm like pretty like keen to get in the work but i, I just want to like take a couple weeks off on holiday before i like do the support work and stuff yeah yeah but uh yeah like last two years of study is like yeah all done and it's like kind of like a hard realization for some reason i think it's just because um i did like that uh personal training course never followed it through and then before that it was another course in phys ed and sports science and now that i've actually like completed something i'm like kind of like breaking ground that i've like never like really experienced before so it's just like um, I'm kind of just like trying not to get too ahead of myself and be like, yes, I've made it because there's like still so much like work I want to do. And this is only like the start, really. Like I want to like make a career out of it and like uh, obviously like help people like uh, get through like rehab and that kind of thing. Mm. Um, so, yeah, that'd be like really good if I can just like try and get my foot in the door, which is like what the service that gave me placement is doing now. They're like offering me a job as a support worker. Everyone always dreams about like working in a startup company or something like that, or I mm. can't express this enough. Mm. Most of the time, the first thing you get into won't be the thing you end up doing. Um, but I think it's a rarity that people know what they want to do early on. Um, so I guess everyone dreams of managing. Mm. Um, I did quite a few things. Took me. You're not thinking about career at that point. Let's just say, I don't know, around the end of high school. So what was that, like 16 Mm, years old? Yeah. So yeah, so say from 16, so past 12 years, we'll call it. Um, Did the pressure get put on you right at the end of high school Mm. to go to uni or figure out what you want to do? In such a very like small amount of time as well, like two, three months. That's about it really, yeah. like subjects at school and yeah you've got like uh, this piece of paper in front of you or like an expo that's telling you about different jobs and like whoa like I just went from like exam conditions to this and like I've got to like map out the rest of my life in like three months that's it's a big like responsibility to take up you know yeah and I think that's how um early on anxiety can start yeah definitely because they they look at the people around them thinking that these people have it figured out but they don't but in their own mind that's what they're thinking they're thinking that all these other people their age have got it figured out because mm. they're going off to do something but little do they realize that these other people are having the same struggle mm. so this anxiety inside them gets built up of oh i gotta quickly find something so they just jump into it and anything they can get their hands on or mm. they might have a a father or a mom or maybe um a brother or sister defend them or telling them oh you should do this like oh you, you know i'm not saying people go to the army to stay a trooper but what i'm saying is people that say oh yeah you should you know go join the army or go to the police force or go do this degree or go do that degree and then they'll go do it because they've got nothing else in their head they're like oh yeah i could do that and then they'll go do it and it's not what they want and then they'll come out of it with like you say the degree they complete it or not now they're in debt so they 
feel like I have to do this because I've done it. And then they're depressed because they're doing something they don't want to do. And then when they're trying to figure out what they want to do, maybe they end up having having a partner that they don't really get time. I'm fortunate that all this peer pressure gets put on young people to do something so early on. Mm. Um, like I said, when I was 16, yeah, I was cooking my own dinner. something that you do mm. and you do that a lot better often if it takes them a year it takes them a year and if it's five years it takes them five years no matter how much time it takes them to figure out what they want to do I mean look by the time they're 50 I mean that's a bit of a different story if they're 50 they haven't figured out what they want to do mm-hmm. maybe they haven't done much thinking <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean you know it could take them until their late 20s maybe to mm. their 30s to figure out what they want to do but if it takes them that long don't punish them for it hurt them for it just because by the time they figured out what they wanted to do they're going to remember that you've been supportive mm. and that's going to take away personally the anxiety of it mm. rather than being pushed to do something I know it's like hard as like a parent or like a, a friend or a family member of someone that like doesn't know what they want to do at the, at the current time but you need to really just be like patient with people and like often like uh telling someone like what to do is like not like like something that's actually going to benefit them because sometimes like they think they know what's best for them and by doing that you're yeah being impatient you're rushing them and they're not like getting anything out of like that situation you know Mm. um oh i keep having these moments where i've like got like this idea in my head and i talk myself into it and then i can't remember Yeah, the Korean tea just hitting me hard, man. <laughs> um, no THC in this, I don't think. Well, it's green tea, so. Mm. Um, but yeah, it's just like uh, people need to like understand everyone's at a different stage of their life. Yeah, that's what I think I was getting at. And some people actually would uh, relish from like just slowing things down, um, because I think from some people, some people. Uh, having no employment for a bit is actually like a pretty integral step towards like actually deciding what you want to do because like in that moment some people might choose like to just recreationally like use drugs some people might decide that they want to go travel some people might just develop hobbies but I think that's actually like a pretty good backward step to take to admit I don't know and like I need to assess like where to go from here without an outside opinion this is simply me just finding out what i am as a person mm. you know that's what i was getting at one thing that never occurred to me was like <clears throat> i'm a big quitter mm. and um it's my problem to do whatever i whatever i like i don't give a fuck about mm. and i don't give a shit about it you know whatever you get whatever you want <coughs> archery so um i started archery a little while ago, I ended up um, I ended up selling my bow because it was a point that I really hurt my hands and couldn't uh, pull the string back any longer. Oh, yeah. um, my, mm. my hands are right now, um, kind of getting better, but it is what it is. Um, so my first lesson on archery was only went for an hour. As soon as I'd done it, straight away I wanted to buy a bow and I started watching videos about it. I 
grew myself into this person. But that's also because of what started the gym too. Mm. Mind you, when I started doing the gym, I couldn't show myself to anybody in my gym. I had that weird little probation period of the internet back then wasn't what it was. Um, but also things like uh, learning the yoga way. There wasn't any other Personally, I think Hollywood would extremely cop to any one of us. Like, mm. really do. I would think it's a whole bunch of people that don't give a fuck. Like, like a hierarchy. Like, yeah, yeah, it's literally like they suck each other apart, telling each other how good they are. They're like, oh, you're on the mic, don't they? <laughs> you're so good. <laughs> That's mm. all it is, man. Like, yeah. yeah, and then, like, a street behind Hollywood is, like, really daggy and, like, uh, there's, like, a lot of drugs around there. And Well, literally, if you go from, now, I've never been there, extremely rich area where all these people uh, I guess they're having ventures and mm. they're going to Disneyland and they have all this money so while they're having this weird oral sex they're also counting their money <laughs> and then you've got the other side of LA where it's just homeless people everywhere and mm. they're broke yeah. but you've got all these multi, literally multi multi-millionaires mm. who they say they want something done about it but then they don't want to do anything themselves about it mm. they expect the government to do something about it which yeah fair enough but man if you could start something yourself with the amount of money you have you could yeah. um, is it easier said than done yeah maybe but I'm sure if you put all that financial income you put into this thing called Hollywood and put it towards something more functional um, and society beneficial, like helping homeless people, helping people with drug addictions, all that, um, you'd see a lot better outcome. You'd have more people who would look to Hollywood as more of a positive thing, mm. not so much of a toxic environment. Because to me, as I said, I do think it's very toxic. Mm. So you like kind of think you'd be like, kind of spat out by it if you were to like even try pursue that is that yeah, what you're saying yeah because of my opinion i think yeah. that is it because mm. my even if i was to make to make it there i know i'd be spat out in seconds because of my opinions on it you know everyone i'd like to thank the academy fuck the academy mm. <laughs> man i i did i did the work the academy didn't do the work think it's like you get used to like telling people like what they want to hear once you're like at that stage yeah. i feel um and it becomes more about like making impressions and like uh appearing a certain way uh once you've like reached that hierarchy you know that's another reason i like podcasting and the things i know about podcasts are the most self-internal uh self-internal explanatory things like you're able to lower yourself down completely on the table with mm. no ramifications 
you on just say uh, a radio station or some other rhythm control like if you say one the thing that goes against the social norm or the media norm or just saying it just goes against something that's kind of just westernized to the point where you can't say anything about it mm. you you won't have a career in anything anymore yeah you and get a lot of backlash you will have a hundred percent back it's like you can't have an opinion on it mm. all these subjects where they're touchy to the point of a hot potato mm. um no if you have even the tiniest opinion you get kicked and, yeah. and, I, and i think that's really really wrong because we're meant to live in a society basically yeah yeah like a general opinion is really not an opinion mm. kind of deal yeah but i mean that's like the difference between like uh having like an expert like on like air or on on like a like podcast or whatever is because like you're actually getting like a proper detailed description of like uh someone's life work you know and it's like it can't like be generalized that kind of thing you know like you're getting like real information real uh studies and like a lifetime of people like devoting themselves to this um the only thing that can be said about that is like some people might have like biases like you said like everyone's got like their own little opinion but um for like the most part i think like yeah people just need to actually like take a delve into a subject before they like make the generalization because you know we have to make generalizations at some point but to just like let that uh dictate everything is like i think a pretty bad thing in this society you know it's like very like closed-minded we need to keep like an open mind i think with like whatever you're like getting into you know yeah yeah i think that's your point you're trying to work for the angry apple yeah yeah so it's like a service that um like operates 
with the uh, financial assistance of like government through NDIS. Mm. Um, so basically, most of the people that are getting uh, counselling or receiving help there, um, it's all like mostly government funded. It does like stack up quite a bit, and I can see like why like people would be like kind of um, less uh, motivated to go there if they didn't have the funding. That's like uh, what a lot of people I know personally that uh, if they if they have like an issue, they're a bit afraid to go receive like psychologist like a psychologist or like a specialist because it's like they might not receive the funding and then you've suddenly got like a task that doesn't get solved overnight and it's about 200 bucks every time you go in and it's like quite expensive um also it takes quite a long time to receive like uh medications and that type of thing so the ndis does like simplify that and yeah i think like if you're going to get help like it's it it definitely like uh is a shortcut to receiving everything you need because yeah like um just maybe like with inflation or something like that the government doesn't really want to pay for like a lot of people's like healthcare issues which is kind of stupid because that's what it's there for but i think they're trying to kind of like wean people off it something like that mm. it's hard to like say because i don't actually like know for certain what's happening but i've like heard people say that well it's really weird is they're meant to be on the labor network and isn't labor a proponent of medicare as well even during the election, I'm pretty sure um, Albanese said he was going to make it easier to access uh, medic- uh, medical like facilities. But mm. now he's just added, all he's done is just added charges to it. Yeah. So that's going to make it harder for people who are in a very low income or are people who are on uh, semi employment. You know, mm. it's going to make it hard for them to get into the system. Well, yeah, that's the catch. I guess like with politics is uh, like he could be like setting out a certain promise but there's always like a little like twist to it like yeah he there might be easier to access it because of like the facilities are better but it might also cost like money like substantial amount of money to get that support thing like yeah. I have like seen on like the media and like yeah take this with a grain of salt that they're uh, intending on like pumping like billions and billions and billions of dollars like uh like in the mental health industry and like uh, updating hospitals uh like funding research um but yeah that all comes at like a cost and like maybe that's the the cost that you don't hear about like when they make promises like that because it it, it's gotta like affect us in some way you put uh, a lot of money into something they gotta like divert attention from something else so that that could be a cause and effect you know we might have to pay for good healthcare now instead uh, if you go to certain doctors. Mm. I just think um, if you're going to make a promise about making medical care easier to access and then all you've done is make it more expensive, mm. yeah. you, 
It's like an instant like contradiction of like what you just promised. But th- they will say that stuff like you know um, at the time of the election to like kind of sweeten the deal a little. Um, that's why I, I like try not to get like too wrapped up in politics because I, I know like they'll all just say what people want to hear and like gain like the uh, majority of the demographic that they're going for clearly. Um, but um, yeah, I try not to get like too wrapped up in it because yeah, they they're all kind of just in it to win it, you know, and like mm. they'll do whatever it takes. No, I'm not a very um, politicalized person either. I'm very like I'm in one ear or the other. Um, I just sort of keep my ear to the ground on certain things. Mm. Medical is definitely the one. Um, mm. Medical's always been an interesting aspect of mental health. I think mental health is virtually the first profession that you need to be under Medicare just because like there's a statistic that it says anxiety is way higher now than it has ever been Um, whether that's just because we're having a closer look at it now Mm. I think personally anxiety is a lot bigger now especially social anxieties just because of social media Mm. and our phones sort of put a term to myself to minimalize the way of feeling basically i don't want to feel one way of feeling it i don't mind uh if i get an email replying to the email or if i get messages then i get a message but in terms of social media so i'm not on tiktok at all um facebook uh went on my phone early today just to check how much i'm still on facebook just to see the comments for the entire week i've been on three minutes Three minutes. Three minutes. Wow. Yeah. I don't think many people could actually say that. Yeah. Mm. Instagram, I've been on it for two and a half, two and a half minutes this week. Wow. I have not, and that's only to reply to a message that I've sent. Mm. Outside of that, no. But you know what's really weird? Even though I have, even though I haven't been on it, I've been getting more notifications than ever. Yeah. I think that's like something that uh, they actually like kind of keep track with. Like they like notice like patterns in your use. Because obviously when you like sign up to the application, they get uh, all this information uh, like in the agreement, you know, like you're agreeing to like access to like your, your browsing time and like things that you've liked and all your interests basically. And they, they will either sell that or they'll use that to their advantage. And like, I think that's something that they actually look at and they notice that your like duration in a certain amount of time has dropped and then they will start sending you more notifications that actually like kind of play on your uh, biology a bit, which is like very sneaky, like, yeah. Oh yeah, they're definitely playing uh, sort of uh, brain games there. Um, so for example, when I used to go on Facebook or Instagram for let's just say an hour every week, and this is a hypothetical number, I'm not really sure what it is for real, I the only notifications I would really get if I got like a message on it, I wouldn't mm. really get a notification like this person has a this person has a this is happening this is happening that is happening. But now I feel like I'm getting at least twenty notifications on Instagram and Facebook or twenty notifications on Instagram. So mm. just it's got my phone just constantly going off. Yeah, it's it doesn't even have to be like relevant. Like they'll just start like yeah, bringing yeah. up like oh yeah, it was this person's birthday. 
Like, I haven't spoke to him in, like, years, but, yeah, it's a birthday, and then there's, like, there's an event going on because you liked something ages ago, and it's, like, I haven't even, like, seen you for, like, ages, but they'll just, like, try to kind of, like, rope you back into, like, your, your patterns of behavior, I guess, that you used to, like, yeah. get into. Well, last week, I think I was on Facebook. I've, I've got six notifications for friend suggestions and I've looked at all six that's probably the total of five minutes I was on it mm. I did not have one mutual so why am I getting these notifications of friend suggestions I have no mutual friends yeah yeah it's like just almost like robotic I think like uh, it's like automated to kind of like yeah get you to use the app more because that's like what's generating like Revenue. money usage yeah through yeah. the ratings and whatever how do you feel about Google, um, not just Google, but other platforms as well, tracking like what you search, what you look at, um, obviously your location as well, all these mm. little intricacies. What do you, what are your feelings on that? I mean, like, uh, <laughs> if if they didn't like get you on the technicality, like that, uh, you wouldn't be able to use your phones. I don't think anyone would actually like use it. Like, you know, it's like. What are you gonna do? Just like get buy this new phone and go. Oh, nah, I'm gonna read through all of these like terms and conditions. Go decline, then then what? Like yeah, it's like it's a real ethical uh, gray area. But I don't think anyone can actually like disagree with it really because they're calling the shots really. You're using like their platforms. You're using their ideas, I guess, and um, like the devices. So you, you kind of have to, you know, like they're they're kind of like playing it into their favor. I'm going to play into devil's advocate of like a conspiracy theorist here. Mm. <laughs> Here's a conspiracy theory for you. I don't know if it exists. So I know Mark Zuckerberg is the owner of Facebook. I know, or the creator. Mm. I know Elon Musk is about his wife's dinner. Imagine if the owner of Google or Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, all these platforms that track you so much, or actually interdimensional aliens <laughs> that just wanted to get all this information on humans, how they behave, how they are, of how we think, put it, send it back to their planet, so then when they come and invade, they know how to manipulate it. <laughs> they did like a like a Rick and Morty episode or something like that. I don't know if you've ever watched that. Oh, yeah, I watched the first few seasons of Rick and Morty. I'm not up to date these days. Where they like develop an app and uh, like. It like basically it's just like this like dating app sort of um I don't know yeah if I pe- did see that actually yeah yeah and then they like uh, there's like this whole bigger scheme to it in the end like is that what you're kind of getting at like they use like, like our they use like our data and then they'll like figure out like a way to kind of manipulate us and that kind of thing. All right, at least I'm not I'm not the first one to think of it. <laughs> oh yeah, that that's like the the generalized like uh like interpretation I'm getting. Um yeah yeah you could like suggest that if like if they were interdimensional aliens yeah um yeah but yeah it's like uh pretty screwed up because like the thing is like they probably know us like better than like some people that we like hang out with you know because like the interests that we have and like uh all the stuff we're liking and like the people we're surrounded by they know like all of that yeah um and it's like yeah everything that like pops up on ads like anywhere on your phone at all like they literally like take a 
very educated guess that you will likely buy that. You know, like they're selling their product to you without you even like knowing it, basically. But I had a um, I was I looked up something on how to sell on Facebook Marketplace, and their adopted definition is useful. Mm, yeah, they sell like all your information to anything else that like it comes under the agreement. So they'll like sell your ideas from Facebook, depending on what you like on them, and like uh, they'll use that to yeah, just basically make an educated guess that you're you're into that kind of thing and. Yeah, I've like fallen into that before. Like I've like liked some stuff and then I'm kind of going like, why Why am I like being uh, like watched in this way? Like how, how's it all happening? And, and yeah, I think I remember one time I like wanted to get rid of like an ad and they're just like, why do you want to get rid of this? I'm like, it's like too like, uh, I don't know, personal sort of. And, um, and then it was like saying like, uh, yeah, why do you want to like get get rid of the ad and then eventually said oh it's because you like this um so it's like kind of just suggesting like we know what you want to buy before you buy it essentially i had a uh, conversation with professor benjamin ford um i think it was last friday um he's a professor in astrophysics and uh, we're talking about dark matter and uh do you know what dark matter is very generalized but isn't it like uh it's like so like dense or something that it actually like uh gets rid of like the all the matter around it or something no not exactly so dark matter can't be studied um first in a it's more like a second kind of secret study so you can't study it directly it's more indirectly gets studied mm. so it it gets studied by its gravity so, for example, let's just say you got, um, what is it called, rotating, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? It's like a whole bunch of stars that are rotating. Now, theoretically, with the speed they're going, um, they should be scattering out, but they're holding together. And now, they reckon that dark matter makes up, I think it was 80 to 90% of the universe. So, there's dark matter all around us right now directly studied it's indirectly studied so dark matter is basically just gravity so it's no like floating orb or anything like no, that no no, no okay no, no. it's because it doesn't interact with light oh, okay. the way normal matter does yeah um well anyway i asked him he's more of a guy from harvard he came up with this theory that uh dark matter could possibly be just one universe's gravity spilling into another so maybe it's just that gravity, that that universe's gravity acting on top of ours and so forth and so forth. So that's that multiverse theory. Right, right? yeah. Now, he said you can't really like study it. He said he studied it, but of course you can't really study it. What do you think a multiverse is? Oh, so like... Theory like that there's like uh, multiple in timelines, basically infinite amount of yeah. yeah, like it just goes on. Now him, he doesn't think infinity exists. Um, he says infinity is just too massive. It's too big of a concept. Um, it, he doesn't think you can study it. Really couldn't answer 
kept going up which I get because you've done it mm. if you can't if you can't study something yeah. then you can't say yes or no you're more just like speculating at that point yeah, yeah. so all I'm asking is what you what you think about the situation oh I mean uh, I don't I don't know if I necessarily like believe like it's like a phenomenon but more like to do with like because the, the idea is that what that there's like so many uh like is it the idea there's so many planets and like there's infinite amount of them that we could be like uh experiencing like different realities of us sort of because like the infinite has no boundaries sort of yeah so uh each universe is like in its own universe bubble and all these bubbles are there so imagine a say like i think that but um have you ever heard of like the uh argument that's just like if you shot like an arrow like at what point would it just like stop like yeah well let's just like let's just say it doesn't hit anything like there's just like it's just vacuum of space at what point do like the planets just stop you know what i mean like where is like the boundary that limits like the universe sort of thing like if there were multiple universes like where does that end yeah yeah well if it's infinite then so it's just it just keeps going and going and going and going yeah I mean like uh, like how do we where do we actually know like the the boundary of like uh like galaxies like ends like do we even like know at this point uh I don't think we do it's like everything that we know it just like kind of keeps like extending out because I mean obviously it takes like light years to like travel out to some of those places so it's like yeah universes out there are long it's kind of just like we can't we can just question but like we can't actually physically prove anything at all so it's just kind of like your interpretation of it and what we know at this point giving us these ideas well neil degrasse tyson always said that the universe is under no impression from our senses yeah that's what i mean it's like it's so damn confusing <laughs> uh, i don't yeah, personally, I don't really believe in, like, the multi-dimensional theory, but um, it's a cool concept um, that, like, it's almost like everything is, like, sort of, like, simulated slightly differently to each other. Simulated, man. <laughs> sort of, yeah. And, like, so, we are, so we are in a simulation theory. Mm, maybe. <laughs> how would that, how would you explain, like, the simulation theory? Is that that there's, like, a higher power like kind of observing us? Sort like of? the Matrix or something. So, like, uh, simulation... programmer and is that a simulation yeah and so on mm. and how do we know that that's real and mm. you're done from that is that a simulation is that a simulation? yeah so if you were in how one how far does this go yeah if you were in one you wouldn't even really know no exactly yeah so i guess that's where people kind of take it a bit out of context and they're like that every single like observable thing that we interact with they're just like oh you just you just you just wouldn't know so like you're in one <laughs> you know like well how do you know It's more just like, uh, yeah, you gotta use your senses, I guess. But do you use 
You gotta like just like <laughs> like just touch it and like and like feel it and like just like observe it. I guess like that's really all you can do until you step outside of it. Like yeah, I guess you can't really say you know where you are. Yeah, because mm. I think that's kind of the thing that can be like you mm. know you come into a room, you know you're in a pit, but then you just walk out and say hey, excuse me, go sit on the ground. <laughs> yeah, just to I w- check. I wouldn't recommend it. Centered or anything? No, no, it's not. <laughs> <laughs> but anything that's outside this room, we have no concept of. Mm. We 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 know it's there, I guess, mm. but we don't. So yeah. So people seeing like satellites in the sky, they could just uh, and people that give into like those uh, theories, they might just argue, for instance, that like because they've got satellites up there and they've built something up there and we can't observe it, it becomes indistinguishable what's actually happening beside, outside the atmosphere, yeah. sort of thing. That's how, that's how someone uh, that looks at that theory in like a, like a positive light would see it, I guess. I heard of, um, I heard one guy say, I think it's called, uh, now I don't know if this was actually getting a book or, I know I read it don't think it was said by anyone who was a really credible source who had just been mm. dead or someone who was extremely off their mind on philosophy or mm. something. It was like a behind... I'm not calling it a theory. I don't want to, but let's just say it's a behind-your-head theory, which is how do you know anything behind your head exists when you can't see it? I mean, the person in front of you can see it, mm. but how do you know they're just not a simulation for you telling you what what exists if you don't know what exists yet my god (laughs) that's just left me like kind of like dumbfounded Uh, so you're saying like everything outside like your senses anything outside you Mm. could be a simulation for you it's like it's just like because your personal simulation Mm. Because your your eyes are just like projecting everything that's in front that's of in you. front of you, but it's like yeah, you could qu- go as far as questioning like what's actually happening outside your perceptive view. Like I could say to you right now, oh, there's a goat down there, and you could and you'd probably say, oh, okay, and then you could look and then know I'm wrong. Mm. But I then you could say, oh, it left, and you turn back. You you mm. don't know what's behind you, mm. so there's that. That, I guess that's a part of simulation theory too, I guess. Yeah. Like the kind of like unpredictable nature of like, yeah, not being able to observe it sort of. Yeah. yeah. It's a really, uh, I guess, ridiculous, but at the same time, can't prove it's wrong type of thing. Mm. Well, that I guess that's like why theories are like in place, you know, because yeah, you can't, you can't like prove like something completely right or completely wrong. Is that like the whole case? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But even so, like, there are some that are like almost like almost a hundred percent plausible. Like the theory of gravity. Yeah. You could argue against it, but like you're going to be having a lot of evidence stacked against you if you choose to go down that pathway. Yeah, yeah. I, I use that. There's obviously things like that that you can't really grab hold of and stuff like that. Mm. Um, also, like certain 
quiet mind. Mm. That was just like afterlife. Religion, yeah. yeah they're yeah. very like uh yeah, debatable theories, I guess. Yeah, I um Well look, as you know from me, um, for a, a while now at least, mm. um how I don't wanna say really weird I wasn't running I was actually in a car and I was driving as fast as I could and that was the me that I was playing that me I guess but then the other me which I'm thinking is the subconscious me was behind me and then somehow that subconscious me ended up in the car with me and I was trying to fight it off but then we ended up becoming one and my meditation ended which is a bit weird and then next time I meditated which was I think two days ago this is a really I don't think I told you about this this in this meditation it was me and I, I know I was me and I was holding the hands of this black figure and I was ho- and holding my hands out for people to um, talk to and uh, check it out you know outward and we were dancing to it we were like swaying fish-like if that makes sense mm. we were, and me and this dark figure and but the thing is I knew I knew that dark figure I knew that dark figure was also me I saw myself in it mm. and there was a point where we stopped dancing and I entered it and I felt extremely happy and that was my meditative experience that mm. so that was just like rawly like how you actually like made sense of it yet that was yeah, no i haven't made sense of that one but it's weird how it went from running to dancing mm. to entering and feeling happy it was really weird i don't know my personal interpretation and i sort of because i know i told you about my first meditative experience mm. and i think you were right on
satisfying an internal urge or I don't know something along those lines but I must be doing something more right now because now I'm dancing this way and mm. swaying yeah so yeah. like subconscious thoughts of like uh, not backflip but they've like kind of transitioned into something less conflicting now yeah and this is what confuses me about consciousness too now mm. look this could just be a state that I'm in because I don't know how long it takes to enter REM sleep it could be a very very early stage of like part of REM sleep that this happened maybe I was having just a very short vivid experience I don't know but it didn't feel that way just because how how I woke out of it because I could still feel my physical body if mm. that makes sense I, I even though I was having this conscious or subconscious experience, whatever you want to call it, I still knew I was laying in this bed. Mm. I still knew. So it was you, you were like projecting something completely different yeah. in your head to it as well. Yeah, I could still feel my physical body laying in the bed, but I had that internal out of internal but out of body experience too. And each time I've had these experiences, so before going into them, I feel this thing, it's like a, how do I explain it? I feel something inside me coming up and it meets the middle of my forehead and it leaves. Like a third and, eye type and, thing. And like it literally leaves me and my body feels extremely light. Like I, ha like I have, <laughs> I can feel my own weight on the bed, but then out of nowhere, it's like I've lost five kilos. It's like it just leaves my head and this is like after um you've like done dancing with this like no, this, entity this was right this was right before it happened this oh. was uh, uh it's like something leaves me so wh what do you do like working up to that point in the meditation like is there is there like any like instructions you follow or are you literally just like kind of emptying yourself out so there's a, a meditative guide i listen to on youtube and it's always the one video like it's a video but based i don't look at it i mm. just put myself to the side I uh, I, um, I cancel out any uh, visual or auditory stimuli so I shut off my windows close all my doors and I put an eye fold over my eyes and I plug in my beats uh, my headphones into my ears so that way and I just lay on the bed so everything is cancelled out except for that guide that's speaking through my ears yeah and i just and i and i listen to it but through through this experience i can still hear him in my head so i know what i'm doing mm. um yeah so it's a complete isolated experience it's a sensory deprivation experience i guess you could say yeah okay and then what's like uh like the next step does that all just happen kind of like automatically it takes some building up to so obviously mm. um i've uh dampened my senses there's a video on it i start my breathing i'll, I'll always do deep breathing mm. and i'll focus on my breathing and then i uh work through each part of my body so i close up just letting out the sound oh, the relaxation method just yeah. letting mm. everything really go and then i'm just focusing on my breathing mm. i'm also trying not to think about anything just letting everything out and um there's a time where I can feel myself sinking deeper 
And then out of nowhere, that's when that, I don't know how long it takes, just like getting there. Just like, just getting, I don't know if you're You're achieving the traffic. No, I'm not. I'm I'm not in a place where I'm focusing on one step. Mm. I'm just staying focused. And then I, I feel that point leave off my forehead or and every time I felt it on my forehead at least um, now here's another thing by no being uh, REM sleep your prefrontal cortex is compressed uh, which is um, where you have awakening states mm-hmm. and all that which is why dreams are so vivid and sporadic so super like interesting it like leaves like a lot of questions to to kind of like ponder yeah i, I don't know i don't know there's um there's also obviously a thing called lucid dreaming which has been mm. proven to be real mm, mm. so maybe i'm heading that and it's a it's a big it's a very big i don't know i know they do like a lot of um like studies on that and like they've like uh looked at like the differences in like brain waves uh with people that are in sleep and in a meditative state, and it is like similar. I forget which uh, wave, like brain wave, it was. It's either delta or theta. One of them you get more in sleep, but then uh, meditative state. It's kind of like a halfway between waking consciousness and like deep sleep. And um, I guess like that would kind of explain uh, maybe like the certain uh, areas of the brain that are like turning on and off, kind of like emit like a different frequency it's like oh like i couldn't even like explain it because i don't really know the subject that well but i guess like the frequency that like uh the waves are flowing at like obviously alter as you're going into this thing and um yeah maybe that's like kind of like the result of like uh your thought patterns and that kind of thing have you ever heard have you ever meditated and had like an experience yourself or never had one as vivid as that i did like uh like the wim hof method which is like you do i think it's uh, 30 rounds of like these really deep breaths where you just you inhale and like you let go 30 times and then you hold your breath for i think it's like something like mm, i'd like to say about like 90 seconds and then you start to get like these like kind of like visual hallucinations like towards the end of it you do that you do three rounds of that holding holding like so you like breathe in breathe out 30 times and then in the final breath you let it all out and you just like lay there and just try to just empty out like your thoughts and like relax as much as possible and you just feel like your your blood coursing through like your body um and you're just like completely relaxed but then you like breathe in and you do two more rounds of it and by the end of it yeah you're getting like visual hallucinations sort of like very like mild ones but never have i like actually experienced something like as vivid as that that you're explaining um i've obviously had like uh different trips of kinds like 
they're yeah. not going to come out. No, no. That, oh, it's like, that's the thing, though. It's like in a similar state. Like, they're all honestly sim- very similar state. Like, the, the I think what uh, they've actually been able to, like, research by, by, like, doing trials with people, like, on these type of uh, substances, um, psychedelics mostly, is that, like, you, it actually puts you into that state. Um, sim- yeah, like, s- similar to, like, the meditation. Um, obviously, like, I don't actually know the, all the ins and outs to it, but... Um, I think one thing that gets like tossed around on like a lot of um, articles because of research lately is the uh, default mode network, default yeah. default mode network, and I think it like yeah it turns off like your uh, like filter that you have like when you're in a fully conscious state, and that might be something to do with it like the change in brain waves and like simulating like the meditation. So it's kind of like a, a shortcut to it if you can't access like meditating normally. And well, vice versa, sort of. Well, I know memory are stored all over the body. Obviously, people can't have years of consciousness like a short-term memory uh, part of the brain uh, when you're using or when you're taking something uh, that goes into your conscious state. It's typically just for a um, uh, consolidated. triggers like a response in your body sort of yeah. which is responsible for that yeah and it makes you uh, more focusing or uh, going into the information that you love sorry mm. so I wonder if now this isn't something I would ever do but there was a case where someone I can't remember his name I think his name was Henry let's just call him Prince Henry there was a case where this guy was extremely still had some of his some of his long term memories but he could no longer take on new memories and I'll give you an example so let's just say you meet this guy and he says hi my name's Luke he says my name's Henry I'm a Prince Henry and uh, about 30 seconds later maybe a minute later he says yeah oh hi my name's HM so it would just completely wipe out his like short term memory he would not remember the beginning you could ask him to count to 10 he'll count to 10 20 seconds later he may not remember took out an amygdala which I hope they're not closed if they took out mm. an amygdala and gave someone MDMA would MDMA work for that person mm. it's, it's hard to say uh, I don't really know like much about like the the responsibility of like amygdala besides that it like triggers like uh, certain emotions like anxiety and that type of thing because uh, in um, 
obviously like uh, support work and like the, the course that I'm doing, they uh, tell you a little bit about it um, and you find out that like by like controlling your breathing, it kind of like uh, slows down like the initial response that it gives you. So like you can stop your anxiety by like doing things like, like breath work and um, yeah, I don't, besides that, I don't really know like a lot about it. I do know that um, one way you can actually cancel out the effects of MDMA is by taking certain uh, SSRIs. It makes it like ineffective. Yeah. Okay. Certain ones though, but you have to be very like specific yeah. because some of them might enhance it, some of them might not. Some of them actually cancel you completely, but uh, yeah, it really depends on like the drug itself, what you're taking. I think uh, the problem is like a lot of medications and stuff like that, they're allowing a lot of, a lot of patients to take it just to get the pain to sort of drop down a little bit because even pain medications don't have to be as uh, the side effects don't have to be as um, uh, awful. Um, ADHD medications and like things for um, depression um, has been mm. getting riddled. like one of the most used ones here and that's actually got like uh, small amounts of like uh, a speed limit but yeah uh, uh, Ritalin and uh, Adderall as well yeah yeah um, and SSRIs can uh, enhance uh, make you make those awake mm. um, and make you sort of forget a lot of that uh, that old the constant like numbing uh, addiction mm. which is not my favourite thing but mm. SSRIs because that's the first thing that just didn't work on the second one. Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, and then the opioid pandemic. I don't like using the word pandemic. I think it's a bit wishy-washy now, especially lately, just because it seems like there's just so much that's been changed since then. Mm. But it's just all of an opioid pandemic for now. Um, it's gotten pretty bad. Uh, everyone, well, not everyone, but like lot of people taking it get addicted to it there was a recent case where there was a teenage girl i think she was like 17 who died uh taking it um over the counter prescription uh anti medication uh i can't remember what i think it was something i think it was like teenage something like that or something like that but yeah we've put all this stigma on going back to like CBD, but yet these medications are killing people, mm, really and they're pretty people. like accessible as well. Like you actually, it's not as hard to acquire as you'd actually think. No, um, I could go to Coles right now and I could buy um, just like Panadol and Ritalin, and let's just say I'm the type of person that loves all different types of medicine, and then I start getting addicted to it. I could OD on it. I could, mm, it's not hard to OD on things like that kind of stuff. That's why it's got uh, directions on the back. Do not distribute Aiden or tablets. Mm. But I know people who have actually taken, because they were in this much pain, um, they took, I think it was 15 in a day. Whoa. And then they went to sleep and they woke up the next day with no memory of what had, what happened. They mm. just said they went to sleep. So they were pretty much in a comatose state until that happened. Jeez, okay. Um, so and that's with not even fully doubling the dose. So imagine someone who has a very addictive personality saying, hey, I'm just going to take all this fucking stuff, right? Mm. Now, CBD, I don't think you can OD on it. Um, I, I don't know if you can. I'm not 
update on it, but from what I've heard, it's extremely difficult. Uh, maybe you'll get some side effects um, with like really taking side effects in some organs and on shit. I don't know. I really don't know. But mm. I know the OD on CBD compared to any medication. CBD, you don't even want to take much of it to dampen uh, the pain that you're in. My um, one of my uncles, he used to be in the military, and um, he had this leg problem for a really long time. And he ended up having to have he had five surgeries on his legs. They ended up amputating, um, and then they had to amputate even more because of because the infection there. Oh. The, the bone started coming through the skin. Oh my god. what they've given him what cbd or weed okay they've actually given him weed at that point that's what you gotta do i know that's what i'm that's what i'm trying to get across so you're telling me i literally have to cut off my leg for you to give me weed like to give me thc or cbd i have to cut off my leg Mm, it's because one has the stigma and one doesn't but like yeah like i mean anything you use can uh, literally just come down to the context of use you know like yeah if you take panadol for headache it's gonna do its job, but um, someone that yeah doesn't have like uh, like uh, they're not mentally stable. If they resort to self harm, that that could be like a like that could be detrimental to like their, their health and their life. You know, it's it, it, I think like when you are trying to like make something legal or not, I think you need to like take that into consideration, like the context of its use. Everything should go through a doctor, but I think the doctors need to be educated on like what it what needs to happen before they get the prescription have you ever taken cannabis before nah right well so um it was i had a appendix surgery about 10 years ago i was in a little bit of pain afterwards Mm. again with panadol before just two tablets but um, if you go to a doctor and say hey I'm in a lot of pain you only have to tell them how much pain you're in they don't really want to test you what's their Mm. this is their test oh this I've got a sore shoulder yeah can can you try and move it I could be like yeah can you put it up here I I could could Mm. just say no I could I could say no and literally pretend how much pain I'm in Mm. and that would give me a very strong pain medication Mm. that yeah in like the wrong context is actually like 
quite a bad feeling to me. Really? That's the only fruit I ever did. Mm. Yes. Full DBs really not... It's not addictive. Yeah. And there's just like, yeah, there's like no point where you could like use like a little vial of CBD to actually just like ruin your health. Yeah. From, from what I understand anyway. Well, as I told you, I took CBD for five months every day. Mm. And that actually helped with your like lower back pain. Help, help, with, help with my pain. Mm. And well, I've been off it for, I think, pretty much five years. Um, and I don't feel any withdrawals now. Mm. I, I could literally go in the gym and look pretty. We have to really like, yeah, like get rid of that stigma, but you can only do that by like uh, educating people. And I think that's why like the, the harm minimization approach with that is just like the way to go um, in the future, as opposed to just trying to outlaw everything and just tell people they can't use things. You just need to let people know like what the context of uh, moderating is and what the context of uh, doing it in a safe setting is and like understanding dosages, individual differences, that's like a really important uh, aspect of gram discussion. Yeah, um, I think that's also pretty good note to leave it on. Uh, thank you for being on the podcast too, by the way. I always love sitting down and talking with you. We could talk forever. I reckon we could easily talk for another hour. We've already been talking for two and a half hours. So wow, okay. <laughs> yeah, I reckon we could uh, leave it there. Yeah. Um, I'd like to thank you for being on my podcast again. I know you're a fair way out, so the drive will get hectic. Um, thank you for some other stuff as well. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, thank you. Yeah, no worries, man. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it, actually. Like, it, it just flowed, and yeah, no, nah, I'd be, like, down to, like, do something like this again. But, yeah, I feel like definitely, like, we, we only meet up, like, every, like, year or so, but, like, that keeps things, like, really fresh. Well, I haven't seen you since January. Yeah. So it's been... Yeah, so just I'll, about, yeah. So I reckon maybe next time we do another podcast, we could probably just sit down and chat about it. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, no, it's been good, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. No, anytime. Cheers. All right. Bye, everyone. <laughs>